Lord, I just ask that you would bless Muiwa and that you would give him your spirit, Lord, that you would give him your words. God, I ask that he would exalt the gospel today in a way that only can be empowered by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't worship some made-up religion, Lord. We don't worship some made-up figure. Lord, you are God in the flesh, come down to save us, died and rose again. And it's a supernatural thing. So Lord, I ask that you would give Muiwa supernatural ability to preach the gospel this morning. In, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's so exciting when Dora reached out that Muiwa will be bringing the word to the people this morning. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, so I count it very great honor uh, to be in front of you this morning and bringing the word of the Lord to you. Uh, randomly, two years ago, I came to join this church and I've learned and grow, you know, serving alongside great people, Will, that made the, uh, that introduced me, um, the Montoyas, the Junk Show and Grace, Lily, and uh, yeah, it's been a great, awesome learning and, you know, establishing myself in this. Uh, so I'm so excited. And most importantly, I count it very uh, great honor, you know, f- uh, for the grace that uh, the temple, uh, Bethany and Daryl found in me to bring the word of God to you this morning. So I'm excited. I hope you too, you are excited. So let's get into the word. Uh, I would like us to actually stand to our feet as we're going to do a congregational reading of the book of Psalm 96, verse 11 to 13. Can we all rise to our feet? And let's just, you know, let's celebrate God. The title is to sell, to sell or to celebrate. So let's, uh, I believe the media will have it on the, on the screen. Psalm 96, verse 11 to 13. Let's start with that. Do we have it? Or we can, you know, we all have our phone. We can just read directly from our phone while they, they catch up with that. So let's go. Let the heaven be glad and let the heart rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in faithfulness. Amen. 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 Bless the name of the Lord. We can have our seat. It's so exciting to do, you know, to read the word of the Lord and, you know, be part of what we want to share today. Yeah, uh, this morning, is this the morning? Okay, 11.51 is the morning. Uh, we'll be talking about to sell or to celebrate. And uh, I had a little word to read. Celebrating Christ the King and not forgetting the lesson. You know, next week... It's going to be Easter Sunday, you know, we are all excited, it's well celebrated, you know, but before the crucifixion and the resurrection of King, there is also another remarkable event that happened, and that is the triumphal entry, which is what we are celebrating today, the Palm Sunday, 
which is very remarkable because, you know, before the glory, there was a pain. You know, there was a lot of things that happened. But most times, we just like, we can't wait to celebrate the history. You know, that is where all the story lies. But I want to bring to you this morning that there's a lot to learn from the triumphal entry of Christ. And that is why we'll be uh, examining uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 21, 1 to 14. A lot of... Uh, Jesus Christ's disciples actually, you know, they, they reported this event. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But this morning, let's, let's read the account of Matthew. From Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 14. It's going to be a long read, but I'm sure we, in Top Church, we love reading the word of God. So we are, we are happy, right? Glory to God. <laughs> so let's, let's go for it. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethridge, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to thy daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on, the donkey, on a donkey, on a coat, the fall of beast of burden. The disciple went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and other cut branches from the tree and spread them on the road. And the crowd that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd says, said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Praise the Lord glory be the name of the Lord. That's so profound and that's so powerful. There's a lot in there. There's a lot packed in there. There is a lot. But I think for the purpose of today's message, we'll be laying more emphasis on the verse 12 to 13. You know, when Christ was, you know, when he gave those commands, go and bring the donkey, I'm going to run on it. It is written, these are the things that has been said ahead of him. He was fulfilling that purpose. So when he rode and a lot of people were celebrating, they were cheering him, that was also profound. That sitting on a donkey is a significance of a messiah, a king. It wasn't a posture of just a normal person, you know, riding on a donkey. It's Jesus Christ, before this time, Jesus Christ has been, you know, 
doing a lot of miracles and he would say, don't tell anybody. Go. He was hiding himself. But there was a time, which is this set time, to showcase himself, to show his lordship, his authority, and he's coming to Jerusalem. And it's not just coming to just ordinary place, it's coming to the temple. And according to the little research I did, the temple actually signifies one of the greatest symbols in the Jewish law. You just don't come there and, you know, be claiming that my father's house. That's so profound. But one thing that I also found, that before this action, before the triumphal entry, first Jesus Christ was brought to the temple by his parents and prophet, uh, Simon prayed over him. But the second time, that was at the age of 12. He was there. Even our parents, they left. They came back. Jesus Christ was there for three days, learning, asking questions. You know, he was just, he was just enjoying himself in his father's house. And when his parents asked, like, why did you do this to us? What he said was that, in my father's house. Why are you looking for me? I'm in my father's house. But he made that proclamation only to his spirit. But this third time that Jesus Christ was coming, he made a significant symbol. And he was not only saying that to his spirit now. He's saying, this is my father's house. And I'm coming as a messiah. I'm coming as a king to take authority that has been given unto me. You know, it's, it's so, it's so uh, I was just looking at it and because one of the things, you know, when you, when you are called to, you know, to bring the word, you first have to like wrestle with the, you know, those words and like, have, you know, digest it first and allow it to even like get through me like, what is going on in this, you know, in this, in this verse. But I said earlier on that our emphasis today is on the verse 12 and 13, which was, after the triumphal entry, a lot of scholars call this the temple action. And what was the temple action? Jesus Christ turning the tables of the money changers and being what? Laying people away that are buying and selling. Why the show of this? Just before the gate, Jesus Christ was being celebrated by everybody. But he was coming for a purpose. He was coming to exalt himself as a king. And now, you know, he found just in the uh, verse 12, and then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the table of the money changers. I was like, why? Jesus Christ, why? why are you doing this? You're just being celebrated. Why, you know, why, why trying to provoke some people? And I tried to do a little background you know, a little background uh, check about this. Like, that particular heart, how is this so important to the Jewish? You know, buying of animal, money changing. And this is what I found. Some Bible scholars actually confirm that selling of animals for sacrifices and payment of temple tasks, which was the purpose of the money changers, were activities required by law, by Jewish law, and is a central temple function. During festivals such as the Passover, which was what Christ was coming to do, it was a Passover, it was a great festival. It was confirmed that, you know, some of the priests, based on their status, they, they, you know, they have their own stall 
whereby they try to like bring in, raise the jack up the, the price of the whatever you know the animal you want to do because it, you know it's a special festival, and also because people are coming from different places and there's the only one currency acceptable in the law that you can use to pay the temple. So you have to change whatever currency you are bringing to convert it to that that is acceptable in the, in the temple. But during those process, some of those priests, they use their status, you know, you know they have this bid. And this explains why Jesus Christ was never accepted by those priests. Because initially, Jesus Christ was going all around the city, doing all these things, and they are asking, like, by which authority, by whose authority are you doing this? And he said, have you not read? You know, there is, initially, he was making them looking like a fool. But at this time around, he was actually coming to their territory and now claiming authority. And now also taking whatever interest or whatever things they are benefiting for those, from those acts. And Jesus Christ is saying, my house is no longer for all of this. It's no longer for religion. It's no longer for you know, just doing things and sacrifice. Because even in the, I think in, um, the, the, the women at the, at, the, at the well, when he was asking Jesus Christ's question, Jesus Christ answered that a time is coming whereby you don't even need temple to worship God. You worship God in spirit and in truth. So God was making this profound statement known that even this temple is house of prayer and it's my father's house. You know, it's always good to connect to do this contrast, you know, like Jesus Christ at the age of 12 coming to the temple and Jesus Christ after the triumphal entry. Why? Why that gap? I'm so sure that he must have noticed all these activities, you know, because he spent three days, you know, he must have noticed all these activities going on and, but he was waited for his time. He knows that the anointing of the Lord is upon him. He knows that that house is his father's house. And a day is coming that is going to come and make everything right. But let's take a look. What about the people that were shouting, Hosanna? What about the people that were crying? Because when I look at the Hosanna, what it means like, save us. Save us. They thought Jesus Christ is actually, because the posture, don't forget that you rode on the donkey. So that was very significant. So the posture is like a messiah, a king is coming. And at that point, we know that Romans were, you know, oppressing the Jews. So they were like, oh, this is our king that is going to take us, that's going to deliver us. But at the same time, they were also disappointed. Because Jesus Christ was not coming to put things right. He was coming to put them right with the Father. It, yeah, that was, his, that was his purpose. That was his purpose. Because the same Christ that loved the Jews also cared for the Romans that has been oppressing them. But he was like, don't worry. The main purpose is not for me to deliver you. I'm not coming as a king that would devour and kill. But I'm coming humble. Because humble, having the heart for everybody. And that is Jesus Christ for you. And that is the, that's the man Christ that we are talking about this morning. You know, tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, yes, we're going to jump for his resurrection. But don't let us forget, you know, the lesson that, we, we are, that this triumphant entry is telling us. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, the Lord is good. There's another verse that actually uh, it would be good for us to look into. Uh, Luke chapter 2, I think that should be verse... Yeah. Luke 2, verse 41 to 50. Let's take a look at that. I don't have the speed. Okay, I read from here. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answer. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother saw, said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in the great distress. And he said to them, Where were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? That Christ must be in his father's house. But when the time comes to actually make his lordship known, he wasn't coming as just a boy. He was coming as a king, making a statement that this is my father's house. But there are also another side of these things. Looking at the people that were celebrating Christ, you know, as they were sharing Hosanna, Hosanna. But I think there's also a lesson to learn from the priest. There's also a lesson to learn from the priest. But let's, I, I wrote a few things down, and I'm going to read it out. It said, they were celebrating Christ because they thought he was there to fight for them, for their deliverance and from Romans. Their opinion of Jesus changed after the temple action. Once he drove them out from the place of their prophet, then it didn't look like he was on their side anymore. At first, they were disappointed, and they were very hungry because Jesus came to take away their religious rights. Don't let us forget that sacrificing, paying the, you know, the temple tribute, those are the things that, you know, they, 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 they hold it at high esteem. It's very important to them. So Jesus Christ is not only even annoying the priests now, but the people that are also practicing those things. Like, come on, we thought you are here to save us. Why are you also even taking away our religious rights? But it's so, it's so, it's so exciting, right? Their expectation and interest hopes suddenly seem to be in conflict with the action of the man Christ Jesus. But what about the priest? What about their greed? 
what about what they you know hold very high esteem that this is our this is our place how can you just come and say this is my father's house because it can only take someone you know you can imagine somebody coming to your house and said this is my house and like changing things around like you just do that and that is why they are challenging his authority and that is the Christ that we believe at first he was silencing himself even from all the miracles he was doing he wasn't making it known but at the time that he is meant to be crucified all these things were written and he was you know following along with that so there's another thing that I also note from, from that is that those crowd that they were disappointed, that was their expectation to be delivered. But one thing I've discovered that Christ always exceeds our expectation. He always exceeds our expectation. In fact, I love the way Tim Keller put it. I was, I was listening to one of the podcasts and he said, God always gives us what we should have asked for if we knew everything he knows. I will say that again. God always gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. If the, you know, the people know that what they need is man Christ Jesus, is whether they are being oppressed, is their life being aligned with Christ and not just practicing religious, not just, you know, Selling and buying and you know staying in the in the middle of the road like praying and showing people that oh they are you know they, they are practicing religion. But what Christ is saying is that I'm coming to put you right with Christ, not putting things right. I want to walk in your heart, I want to set your heart to the Father, who is both the lover of the Jews and even the Romans that has been oppressing you. These are the lessons that we learn, you know, from this. But one thing that I want to bring home, it's going to be a very short uh, message, is that how did this apply to us? How, like, what can, we, what can we get from this, from this word, from temple's action? You know, we are preparing for Easter, but how can we actually apply this? Because this, this story happened like 2,000 years ago, like, how is it relevant in, in our situation. And I jot down things uh, as God tried to like open my eyes to see some things. And the question that I was asking as I was preparing for this, and I'm also going to throw it open to us this morning. What are those areas of our lives that we are yet to yield to Christ's authority? What are those things we struggle with and not allowing Christ to take the lordship of them? What is that thing that we feel we've been disappointed in or robbed of by Christ because of our narrow view of how he works? This morning, we can choose to celebrate Christ, whether it meets our expectation or not. Or we can choose to, you know, be like the, the priests and the people that were like all about religion. And, you know, upholding to, you know, to their right, like, no, uh, this, this, uh, Jesus Christ, yes, I allow you to this, you know, to this close, but there's this side of my life that I don't think I'm yet to open to you. We can choose that. 
But if truly we want to yield to Christ and prepare our hearts even to celebrate the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, I think we have to search our hearts. Like, which other area of my life, like, I'm now really fully open to? And what other part of my life I thought maybe Christ has, you know, disappointed me and I'm just going to hold it to myself there's healing in, the, in, in his band today. There's healing in the house today. Christ is calling us to make things right with Father. Not to make things right for us, but his com- coming, his purpose of the triumphal entry is to make things right. Make our heart right with Father. And that's what I brought this morning. It's simple and short, but I believe this word will go with power. And even as you go on your day this week, you ponder on these questions. What are those areas of my life that I'm yet to yield to Christ's authority? We might not see it. I have my own. I was, as I was going through this, I was weeping. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know that God can open those. You know, there are some things that we, we, we just hold it close to ourselves. And it's so difficult to even share to people. Because people will not understand. But Christ understands. He understands. And his triumphal entry this morning that we are celebrating is to make us right with Father. Is to make us right with Father. Uh, to be candid, I think I, these, these are all the things I have on my, on my notes. And, but before we close, uh, I know uh, Shaman, yeah, Shaman, you will be coming to, to take the uh, communion. But there's a question that I asked earlier on, even as we prepare to take the communion. Let, have the, let our heart be in a posture of reflection of like, Lord, whether whatever I ask for, whether whatever I expected from you is met, I choose to celebrate you. I choose to honor you. I choose to celebrate you as my king. I'm not about the religion. I'm not here to just mark another Sunday to just raise my hand. I'm here to truly serve you and even through it all, you are my king. And even as we take the communion, I believe God will be speaking to our hearts. I believe God will be sharing our hearts to see those things that we never even thought of, we've never discussed with anybody before. But God will be opening our hearts and see that my son, my daughter, I need to work on this also. Because he's so interested in every details of our life, every details. Growing up, I always think maybe Christ is not, you know, that God doesn't concern, you know, what concerns God about that part. But I've got to know God that he's more interested in every details. He wants to be part of it. Yeah, I will invite Shaman to come to the stage this morning as we take communion and let's open our hearts and just, Lord, you are my king, you are my savior. You've come for me. You've come to put my heart right with Christ. Lord, as I'm taking this communion, let it break whatever things that is in my heart that I'm still holding on to and allow your authority to speak over it. Amen.